Well, Happy New Year. <laughs> hey, uh, we are doing a series on anger, and if you're joining us online, glad to have you with us. Uh, we're, we've been talking about, uh, we want to talk about anger this month, and the reason why is because I think we have issues with anger. I think not just as individuals, but as a country and as a world. Uh, our world seems like it's angrier, and our country seems like it's angrier than it's ever been. In fact, uh, Gallup poll did a poll a few years ago, and they found 22% of the responders said they are more angry today than they've ever been in their lives. And we've seen manifestations of that anger, haven't we? we, we all you have to do is just go on YouTube and watch uh, uh, airline people going nuts on, an air, on a plane, you know, and just brawls, you know, on a plane and people being dragged off and, or you watch a, a, a football game or a soccer uh, game on the pitch and uh, you see parents or players just brawling with one another and you go, what has gone wrong here? This is just nuts. Uh, people have gotten so upset and you go, so what are they upset about? And what, what's going on in their lives that they, they would actually run onto a field and start punching a referee? Or what, what, what is going on that they would throw such a fit that they would uh, disrupt the whole flight, you know? Or even more um, just awful is we've seen just such a rise in people who just get angry at work or get angry at school and they come back with a gun. And we, we, you know, it got to the point where, like, every week we were seeing that. And it was because people are not dealing with anger well and, and struggling. And they say, well, I was bullied or whatever. And you understand that that's hard, but what are we going to do with anger? And, and we all struggle with it. Anger's a problem that every one of us struggles with. The good news is we, we as followers of Jesus Christ, we have the Bible. And the Bible has a lot to say about anger. And we're going to look at that in, in the weeks to come. We're going to look at what does the Bible say about anger, and we, we see the Bible here at Hope Church as kind of our, our manual, our life manual for, for the Christian life. It gives us a direction, it gives us guidance, and we can find some great wisdom from God's Word. So that's kind of what we want to do. We kind of want to move through a few passages, but I, I want to read you one passage as we get started. And by the way, uh, there's a lot of Proverbs that talk about anger, uh, which is kind of interesting to me. Um, but I love this proverb. This is Psalm 19, verse 11. And this is the NLT translation. It says this, sensible people control their temper. Sensible people control their temper. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. That sounds good, doesn't it? Don't you want to be that person, a sensible person that overlooks wrongs? And people notice that in your life. Uh, wouldn't that be a great thing to say, my new, one of my New Year's resolutions is to be less, less angry this year, to be less vocal uh, in, in inappropriate ways, or to, be, to maybe not run onto the, the, the uh, football field and get in a fight this year, if that's your problem. That would be a good one to start with. Baby steps, right? Um, but anyways... Um, so today we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 25. And I'll read it to you and you could just join, follow along with me. Okay, so here we go. Ephesians 4 verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. 
for we are all members of one body. Now notice verse 26, very interesting verse. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands. And they may have something to share, so that they may have something to share uh, with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that they may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. So the question we want to answer is, and it's in that verse, and, and, and you might want to underline that first phrase that we looked at. In your anger, do not sin. And so the question is, how do we do that? <laughs> how do we not get angry, or uh, how do we, when we're angry, not sin? How do we do that, right? Because that's essentially what he's saying. Now, some of us think that, uh, so some of us think, and, and essentially what Paul's saying here is, he's saying, you will get angry. You will get angry. But when you're angry, don't sin. Don't say or do things to act out on, on that anger, right? So let me just begin here by saying this, because I think there's maybe some of you here in the audience, some of you joining us online, that think getting angry is sinful. It's not sinful to get angry. Uh, some people think, well, because I'm experiencing anger right now, then I must be sinning because I'm feeling that emotion of anger. Anger is a natural part of life. We all have, from time to time, because of things that people say or things people do, we all have that emotion of anger. But we're called to control it, right? That's the, the point. We're called to control it. Experiencing the emotion of anger is not a sin. But acting on that emotion in inappropriate ways, saying inappropriate things, doing inappropriate things, that is also uh, always wrong. So getting angry isn't our problem. Controlling our response, that's what we need to talk about. So let's be clear. Getting angry isn't a sin. But getting angry can lead you to committing sin through your words and actions. All right? Um, now let me give you a couple of reasons why that's true. Number one, God sometimes in the scripture is angry. <laughs> Romans chapter one, it says, Paul says, the wrath of God has been revealed to, well, what's the wrath? What, what, what do we think of wrath? Well, it's anger, right? The anger of God has been revealed. All through scripture, we see times where God is angry, right? Uh, Jesus was angry. There were a number of times where Jesus was angry. Uh, for instance, look at Mark chapter 11, verse 15. Now, we would call this righteous indignation, righteous indignation, which is anger, but it's under control, okay? Look at what's happening, uh, Mark eleven fifteen. 15. Uh, on reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts, and he began 
uh, driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves um, and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And he, as he taught them, he said, it, it is not written, uh, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. Now, I don't think Jesus was smiling while he was doing this. Well, it's hard to carry a whip. It's hard to turn tables over when you're smiling, right? So there's anger here. But what is he angry about? What is this righteous indignation about? Well, it's, it's perverting the temple practices by the money changers. It's perverting the Sabbath, which was uh, an ongoing thing that he had a, d a debate with, with religious leaders, the Pharisees, the scribes and the Pharisees. So Jesus was angry about that. There's another time, uh, real quick, uh, where Jesus had a couple of friends, uh, three friends really, Mary, Martha, and their brother Lazarus. And Lazarus died. And the sisters called Jesus to come to the tomb. Uh, and well, they actually called him to come before, and Jesus waited it out until he died, and finally told his disciples, "Yeah, we can go now. He's dead." You know, and they're thinking, "Well, why didn't you go earlier?" And then he wanted to die. And the point was that Jesus wanted Lazarus to to be dead so that he could perform the miracle of raising him from the dead. But there's this moment where Jesus comes to the tomb, and the Greek word there is really interesting that Jesus had this internal anger. And it was like what Jesus was doing there is he was indignant about what death could do and was doing. And it goes all the way back to the book of Genesis where God says to the first couple, in the day that you eat of this tree, you will certainly die. And Jesus, why did he come? He came to give his life so that we could live. And so there is, there's an anger of the death and the destruction and the pain it causes. Uh, there are a number of things that ought to make you angry if you're a human being, right? When you see injustice, when you see people treated in inhumane ways, when you see children and uh, uh, women trafficked, when, when you see, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking recently of what, looking at videos of what's going on in Haiti, and you see the corruption of where money, millions and millions of dollars is poured in, and none of it has gone to the people, and the people are suffering. It should make you angry. It should make you, it should make you angry. But see, anger is meant to move us to action. Uh, and, and sometimes it's hard for us to, to think of this idea of that some anger is, is good. Somebody has said, and I think this is a good illustration, that anger is like a nuclear plant, right? A nuclear power plant. Uh, a a, a well-running, uh, safe nuclear power plant where it's under control and managed can light a city. But when it melts down, it destroys everything around it. Isn't it interesting? Sometimes we, we think of people who are, have a, uh, a, 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 an outburst of anger where they just go off. You say they melted down. <laughs> and and in, in a sense, think of it that way, that anger is something that when it's under control, it can be a very powerful, moving thing.
But when it's out of control, it can rip lives apart. So the main point you want to see is this. Don't allow your anger to cause you to sin. That's the point. He's saying be angry, but don't sin. Be angry, but don't sin. Okay? So if we're not careful, our anger can get a hold over us. And there's really two ways that I see this played out. Okay? Two ways that I generally see anger played out in, in, in our lives. Number one is we act it out in a moment of, uh, we just act out in a moment of anger. We let her rip, tater chip. I mean, it's just like, it's on. You know, we say it, we do it, we run out on the field, we start throwing punches, we throw a fit. I mean, it's, it's, just, it's just on, right? Um, have you ever had a moment where you just lost your composure? Like, like really lost your composure? Like, and maybe this, you had a good reason to be angry, but you just let it go. Like, you just... You fed it. You just said, I'm going there. I'm not stopping. I'm putting the pedal to the metal. I'm going to let her rip. I'm just, I'm just going to do it. Um, Paul writes these words. They're great, great passage. Write this passage down. James chapter 1, verses 19 through 20. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Now, notice what he says here. He says, be quick to listen, be slow to speak. Right? And what, what, what's, the, what's the other one he says? What, what's the other one he says? Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Now, I've met people who are the opposite. I've met hotheads, right? You say, oh, he's a hothead. You can't say anything to me. He's a hothead. He'll blow up. He'll melt down. He'll go off. You got to be careful. You got to walk on pins and needles around him. He'll go off, right? Hothead. Big mouth. Oh, he's got a big mouth. Blah, 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 blah. Just just says stupid things all the time. Um, So I've, I've met people who are hotheads. I've met people who are big mouths. But it's rare that you see somebody say, oh, well, they're a quick listener. What? Quick listener? What does that mean? You're a quick listener? Maybe we, we would use the word good listener. That when they're upset, when they're angry, when their emotions are getting, getting all over, they just begin to listen. They say, I get, I, God gave me two ears to listen with. One mouth to close and to tamp down my anger. Right? I've seen hotheads, I've heard big mouths, but quick listeners, they're kind of rare. And I'm challenging you to be a quick listener in 2023. Uh, I love this verse, uh, Proverbs 29, 11 says, fools give vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. You know, one of the things I would love to see this community become is just peacemakers, de-escalate, don't get involved in escalating arguments, don't get involved in tit-for-tat, don't get involved in 
but just de-escalating things. So that's the first thing. You just, you, you, somebody says something, somebody does something, you may have a justified reason to be angry and upset about it, and you just fight back. You fire back. You just melt down. You just have a meltdown. I've had meltdowns before, and I look back, and I go, how did I get that far? Why did I let myself go that much? Here's the second thing that we do. We hold it in and become bitter. Look what the writer of Hebrews says. See, that, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. So what is this idea of root of bitterness? Bitterness comes when somebody says or does something that, you, that, that hurts you. And by the way, anger many times, and I don't know how it is for women, but I know it is for men, anger sometimes when you say he's angry, there's a multitude of emotions under that. He may be frustrated, he may be discouraged, he may be, there may be a whole bunch of things going on underneath that. It's not just anger, there's something. So sometimes you have to get behind what is the anger to what's going on there. But the point is, sometimes we allow the anger to simmer. We let it just take root. And the enemy loves it when he does that because then it be, we become bitter. And then bitterness, it's often hidden until it breaks out. And there, it, it breaks out often in a, in a dramatic and dangerous way. I think I've told you this story before. When I was a senior in high school and I graduated in 1975, uh, one of my friends that we used to stand outside before school started, homeroom, and... Uh, he uh, was a valedictorian, and uh, he was picked on, and he was bullied, and um, he became full of rage. Didn't know it until he came back to school with a gun, guns, and he was on the rifle team. Yeah, we had a rifle team, and he killed four people, and uh, was one of the first school shootings ever. Uh, he was very smart. But the anger and the rage he held within until he just took it out and it blew up. And he just did so much damage. If you have a bitter root, you know, it's going to keep growing and it's going to be hidden. And one day, it's going to come out. So we're encouraged not to suppress our anger, but to deal with our anger. So it needs to come out so that we won't become bitter. But we, we need to deal with it in a healthy way. And that's the point of what this passage is all about. He says, in your anger, don't sin. All right, but he doesn't tell you, well, there is a few things in the passage where he tells you how to deal with your anger. And we want to look at those for the rest of our time. How do we deal with the anger when somebody says something or somebody does something? Because the opposite of anger is indifference, right? When I'm indifferent, I don't get angry. I don't care. Essentially, you can't make me angry about something I don't care about, right? Like if, if um, the Minnesota Vikings lose today terribly bad, I'm not going to be angry. I'm not going to be upset. I don't particularly care. 
Okay? Now, if you're a Minnesota fan, and I know there's some here, you're offended right now, and you're angry right now. Well, because you care and I don't. That's the point. Okay, so thank you for helping me with that illustration. Um, so how do we deal with, with our anger? So let me give you four things that you can do. Number one, take a time out, slam on the brakes, okay? Um, don't allow that moment to define you. And this is really, really hard to do. Don't say anything. When you do say something, think before you speak. Proverbs 29, 20 says, Do you see somebody who speaks in haste? There is more hope for a fool than for them. <laughs> okay? Uh, Abraham Lincoln put it well. He said, Better to remain silent and to be thought a fool than to speak out and remove all doubt. I think there's a proverb that, that says something similar. It says, a man is seen to be wise until he speaks. <laughs> uh, so shut your mouth. It's James, right? Slow to speak. Shut your mouth. Go for a walk. Get some exercise. Get perspective. Pray. Ask God to calm your heart. Ask God, just call a time out. Because what happens is, if you don't pause, there's a problem. And it, you'll, it'll, it'll escalate and it'll escalate and it'll escalate. And you have to decide, I'm going to call time out. I'm going to walk away. I'm going to get perspective. So that's the first thing is take a time out. Secondly, remember who you are. If you know Jesus as your Savior, you're the son or daughter of God. Um, you need to remind yourself of who you are. You need to remind yourself that that anger was the old way of life. There's a new way of life. By the way, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you should be different this year than you were last year. And this coming year, you, there should be things that God is working on in your life, changing you to make you more into what he wants you to be. Uh, and that may be managing your anger in a better way this year. That may be what, what he wants to do in your life. Um, what he says here, it, it's interesting because Paul lists, he says, stop stealing, watch your language, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, uh, see uh, yourself as a member of the body of Christ. What's he saying there? He's saying, remember who you are now. You're a child of the King. Jesus Christ is, is your brother, and, and you are a son, you're a daughter, you belong to him. So see yourself by your true identity, not by who you were, but who you are now. See, the enemy wants you to continually see you as you were. You're new people, you're redeemed, you're forgiven, your sons, your daughters. Paul says over and over, put off the old self, put on the new self. So that, number two. So number one, take a pause, take a break, put on the brakes. Get some space, go for whatever you have to do. Ask God, pray, you know, and we'll talk more about that. Uh, number, two, num number two, remember who you are. And then number three, remember what he's done. Remember what he's done. Um, 
you need to rehearse sometimes what God has done in your life and what he is doing. That he gave his life for you. That he granted you grace and mercy even though you deserved punishment. That Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth for you. He gave his life so that you could live. He took your sins so that you could be forgiven. You have to rehearse that. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We have to bring that to mind. I, I love the verse, and this is why we want you to read through Scripture this year, because um, as you read through Scripture, the Spirit of God will remind you of passages. Look at Lam Just write this down. Lamentations 3, verses 22 through 23. Um, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. You go, what does that mean? Do you remember Isaiah 6? Maybe you don't know about Isaiah 6. Isaiah 6 is where Isaiah saw, had a vision of God, a very limited vision of God. And his takeaway was, woe is me, I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips, and I live in a people, a, a group of unclean people. In other words, he's saying, whoa, 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 like that. He, he, he basically found a new perspective. That's what Lamentations is talking about. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. There's not a morning that you wake up that God isn't in your corner and that he's not faithful in your life. That he loves you as a son or a daughter. That he's invested so much. And you begin to rehearse that. The mercies of God every day. And you, when you rehearse his grace and mercy, it will change your mind. It will change your heart. It will change your perspective. And we need a change of perspective at that point. Okay. Take a break. Pump the brakes, right? Remember who you are. Remember what he's done. And then one last thing. Don't put off forgiveness. Don't put off forgiveness. We're going to talk more about this in the weeks to come. Um, it's interesting because this verse, let me go back to it. He says, in your anger, do not sin. Okay, so that's, it's okay to be angry, but don't, don't sin because of that, okay? Then he says this. Some of you read this and go, okay, what does that mean? Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. I think that foothold is the, the bitter root of bitterness. But what does he mean by don't let the sun go down on your anger? Okay, so is what Jesus saying, or, or what Paul's saying here, is what he's saying is this. Five o'clock, somebody says or does something to me in the afternoon, and I'm really upset and I'm really angry. So what he's saying here is what I have to do is I have to forgive them. I have to go to them and I have to forgive them or reconcile with them before I go to bed. Is that what he's saying? No, I don't think that's what he's saying. So then what is he saying? Well, I think essentially what he's saying is this. You need to forgive quickly. 
Now, a couple things I want to say about forgiveness, because we're going to talk about it in a couple weeks. Forgiveness is something only you can do. Okay? It's, it's all on you. It's in the Lord's prayer. Okay? It, it says over and over, forgive as you've been forgiven. All right, so forgiveness is on you. You are the only one that can forgive. You don't need to have the person who offended you there to forgive, right? You don't. Secondly, forgiveness is necessary. It's not an option. You don't get to say, well, you don't know what they did or when they do this. or There's no ifs, ands, or buts. You just forgive. You just do it. It's not an option. And then the, the third thing I want you to see is forgiveness is not reconciliation. It doesn't mean, okay, we're buddies again and we're all fixed up and everything's good and we're, you know, we're all on the same path. And we No. There are people in your life that you can forgive, but you'll never be reconciled with them. Let me give you just one example. You may have been raised in a home where you were abused by your parents, either verbally or physically. And you forgive them. But you can't be reconciled to them. Why? Because they're dead. And even if they were alive, they might go, well, you deserve, you know. So you're not going to get reconciled to that. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with all people. But you can't be reconciled to all people. Some people you have to hold at, at arm's length because they're on fire. And if you bring them in, they'll put you on fire. But you can forgive them. Forgiveness doesn't mean reconciliation. The, the, the other thing I want to say about forgiveness is it's an ongoing exercise. When he says, forgive the other person before the sun goes down, what he's saying is, on your, your end, you forgive them. Now, you may wake up in the middle of the night and say, I still have hard feelings for them. Forgive them. You wake up in the morning, I hard feelings. Forgive them. So you may have to continually go through a process of forgiving somebody. And some people have done horrible things in your life. Like if I were to mention a name of a person, immediately you would go to a bad place. And you might even say, I, but I forgave them. Why am I still going there? And that brings us to a really important point. That just because you forgive somebody, that won't take the feelings away. And let me say this too. Sometimes you forgive somebody and you still have the feelings, and you feel guilty. You say, well, I shouldn't feel that way if I've forgiven them. No, no, no. That's not the point. You will generally grant forgiveness before you'll feel it. And sometimes you have to continually say, no, I forgive them, no, I forgive them, no, I forgive them, no, I forgive them. For one act, right? You say, I forgive them, I forgive them, I forgive them. But I still emotionally feel, right? That doesn't mean you haven't forgiven them. It just means your emotions will follow later on. It will take time. That's really, that's what he's talking about. 
Don't let the sun go down. Begin the process of forgiveness so that you can set yourself free. Because you're the one that is in bondage, not the other person. You are. And so that's what he means. That's how you, that's how you move through anger. You begin immediately to forgive that person. And if you have to find reasons why, you go to the cross and you say, when did he forgive me? While I was still an enemy, while I was still lost, I wasn't looking for him. I was moving away from him. And so you remind yourselves those things. But don't feel bad because you say, but I asked God, I, I forgave that person, but I still have feelings of anger and frustration and discouragement when I hear this person's name. It doesn't mean you haven't forgiven them. It means you're going through the process of forgiveness. So don't let the enemy play that game with you. Because the enemy will whisper and say, well, if you really forgave them, you wouldn't feel that way. No, you will feel that way. You're human. But you're moving through the process of forgiveness. And it's messy and it's ugly and it doesn't, it's not easy. All right, let's just tie it all together here real quick. Having anger is not a sin. Jesus was angry. God sometimes showed anger. Um, anger, though, can lead you to sin if you're not careful. That's why he says, be angry, but don't sin. Okay, so that's the balance. You, you, you have to work through your anger, but don't sin in the process of it. And then don't allow your anger to move you to bitterness. In other words, there's two ways you respond. You respond by just acting out on the spur of the moment, and you say and you do things, and you come back and you go, what was I doing? What was I thinking? Why did I do that? Or you hold it in till you blow up, and you have a, a meltdown. And by the way, if you're a parent, can I just say this to you? You've got to get in control of this. You gotta get you gotta you gotta begin to think, take this seriously. You just can't go down that that well-worn path that you've been on. You you can't do that because your kids are learning how to do deal with anger and forgiveness as they watch you manage it and process it. They're learning from you. So when your kids grow up and, and they're struggling with it and you look at them and you go, Where'd they learn that? From you. <laughs> you knucklehead. They learned it from you. <laughs> But here's, uh, anger can be defeated, and anger can move us to good things and good places when we remember who we are, what he's done. And, and we have to rehearse that. We have to get a bigger perspective. Here's a dumb illustration of how God gives me perspective sometimes. Sometimes when I'm driving, I get impatient. And God always finds somebody, the slowest person in the community, for me to follow. And, you know, it's just like, uh, come on, move, move. Right? You've been there? Maybe you haven't. Maybe you're going, I don't know what your problem is, Matt. Okay, so this is my problem. This is confession time. I'm Matt, and I have a problem, all right? All right, so 
He always finds somebody really slow. And Carol's sitting there sometimes. I think she thinks it's comical sometimes. But then I hear a voice. It's God. It's the Spirit of God. You know what the Spirit of God says to me? Where are you going, Matt? You got a... You doing surgery somewhere? Somebody's life depends on you getting somewhere? Uh, no? Okay, chill. <laughs> I realized, yeah, what am I, what am I in a hurry to get to? I'm not going to do, perform surgery. Probably going to the home or something. I'll be five minutes later than I wanted to be. Big deal. That's how God works in my life irritants right and the spirit of God says by the way one of the reasons we want you to read through the Bible and we want you to do that is because you take the word of God and he reminds you of passages so when you're about ready to let her rip tater chip you're ready to give that 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 answer that that put down and and, and you remember a man has seen his wise until he opens his mouth he goes shut my mouth We're going to talk more about anger. This will get us started. But I just pray that we would become peacemakers. That this year, if you've been struggling with anger, that you'll say, okay, I have to get a handle on it. I have to allow the Spirit of God. Because the moment that we just go off is the moment we take our hands off the wheel, or the Spirit of God takes our hands off the wheel, and we're driving, and we don't go to good places when we're driving. So stand with me and let me pray with you. Help us, Father, because we need your help. Uh, we, we're so fall, fallen and flawed, and yet we're still your sons and daughters, and we're in a work in process. Uh, we are like little nuclear plants. Uh, we can do so much good, but we can also melt down. And certainly we have incredible examples of that, not just outside of the church, but within the church. Help us to be a community of peacemakers, peace, uh, a, a community of, of forgive, forgivers, a community that is not quenching the Spirit of God, but allowing the Spirit of God to drive the car. Help us to uh, manage our anger this year and to uh, become more like your son. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen.